we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 288, aka Year 6, Week 38, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MCKS. And since we're back to recording at the normal time, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Jumping right into it. Headlines. FBI uncovers plan to kidnap Governor Whitmer as hostage and overthrow the Michigan government, uh, say the feds. Conspiracy includes talk of murdering tyrants. More than a dozen people have been charged after what the FBI is calling a violent militia scheme involving people from several different states to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer as a hostage and overthrow the Michigan government. The United States, including the FBI, is investigating a conspiracy to kidnap the governor of Michigan, the criminal complaint reads. Uh, there are six men named in the complaint, five Michigan residents, Adam Fox, Ty Garbin, Caleb Franks, Daniel Harrison, Brandon Caserta, and Barry Croft of Delaware have been charged with conspiring to kidnap uh, Whitmer. Officials said they became aware of the conspiracy in early 2020. Oh, is that so? And only now, 10 months later, decided to act on it? Uh, a group of individuals were discussing the violent overthrow of certain government and law enforcement components, the complaint reads. Uh, Croft and Fox agreed to recruit others to take violent action against multiple state governments they believe are violating the U.S. Constitution, federal officers said. Uh, Seven members of militia charged. Officers executed search warrants and arrest warrants in several Michigan locations, including Belleville, Cadillac, Canton, Charlton, Clarkston, Grand Rapids, Luther, Munith, Orion Township, Ovid Portage, uh, Shelby Township, and Waterford Township. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel said 19 state felony charges were filed against seven people known to be members of the Wolverine Watchmen Militia Group or associates of the group. Uh, Paul Billar, 21 of Milford, was charged with providing material support for terrorist acts, gang membership, and felony firearm violations. Sean Fix, 38 of Belleville, Eric Molitor, 36 of Cadillac, Michael Null, 38 of Plainwell, and Willem Null, 38 of Shelbyville, were each charged with providing material support for terrorist acts and felony firearm violation. Uh, Peter Musico, 42, and Joseph Morrison, 26, who lived together in Munich, were each charged with threat of terrorism, gang membership, providing material support for terrorist acts, and felony firearm violation. Providing material support for terrorist acts, threats of terrorism, and gang membership are each 20-year felonies. The felony firearms violations comes with a mandatory two-year prison sentence to be served consecutively. Uh, Michael Null, Willem Null, and Mulder were arraigned Thursday before uh, Antrim County Magistrate Jessica Almond. The Nulls are being held in lieu of $250,000 bail, and Molitor is being held in lieu of $250,000 or 10%. Probable cause conferences for all three are set for 1 p.m. October 4th, and preliminary examinations are scheduled for October 21st. Musico and Morrison are expected to be arraigned at 2 p.m. Thursday in Jackson County. Fix is in custody and expected to be arraigned in Atrium County. U.S. Attorney, uh, uh, U.S. Attorneys Andrew Burge and Matthew Schneider, Michigan State Police Colonel Joe Gasper, and FBI Assistant Special Agent in Charge Josh Huxert join at Nestle for the news conference, which you can watch on the website. Uh, The group meets in Ohio. On June 6th, Croft, Fox, and around 13 others from multiple states gathered in Dublin, Ohio, to discuss creating a society that followed the Bill of Rights and allowed them to be self-sufficient, officials said. A confidential informant for the FBI was at the meeting, according to court records. They talked about different ways to achieve their goals, from peaceful to violent actions, Fed said. Uh, Several members talked about murdering tyrants or taking a sitting governor, the criminal complaint says. The group decided they needed to increase their numbers and encouraged each other to talk to their neighbors and spread their message. Militia involvement. Fox is accused of reaching out to a Michigan-based militia group to help in the scheme, officials said. The group had already been brought to the FBI's attention in March 2020 by a local police department court record show. At the time, members of the militia group were trying to find the addresses of law enforcement officers, police said. A member of the militia was interviewed by the FBI and agreed to become an undercover source, according to authorities. Police said the militia group regularly meets in remote parts of the state to run through tactical drills and train with guns. 
On June 14th, one of the founders of the militia group said he had been introduced to Fox, according to the confidential source. Fox invited the leader to meet at his Grand Rapids business later in the week, the complaint said. Fox met with members of the militia group multiple times throughout June, officials said. Uh, On June 18th, the confidential informant secretly recorded audio of a meeting in which Fox and militia leaders, including Garbin, met at a Second Amendment rally at the state capitol in Lansing, the FBI said. While trying to recruit more members for the operation, Fox told Garbin and the informant that he planned to attack the capitol and asked them to combine forces, according to court records. Planned to take Whitmer hostage. During a phone call with a confidential FBI informant, which was recorded by officials, Fox said he needed 200 men to storm the Capitol building and take hostages, including Whitmer. Fox said they would try to try the governor for treason, authorities said. The plan was to was to be executed before the November 2020 election, court documents show. Meeting through secret trap door. On June 20, Garbin, Fox, and several others went to Grand Rapids, uh, went to Fox's Grand Rapids business meeting in the basement, which was accessed through a trap door hidden under a rug on the main floor, according to officials. Fox collected everyone's cell phone in a box and carried them upstairs to prevent the meeting from being monitored. Authority said an FBI informant was wearing a recording device and captured audio of the meeting, officials said. (laughs) During the meeting, members discussed plans to assault the Capitol and use Molotov cocktails to destroy police vehicles, court records say. Uh, They also talked about meeting over the first weekend of July for tactical and firearms training, authorities said. During a private Facebook live stream on June 25th, uh, Fox complained about the state controlling the reopening of gyms, calling Whitmer this tyrant bitch, the criminal complaint says. I don't know, boys. We got to do something, he said, according to the FBI. You guys link with me or other location system. Give me some ideas of what we can do. June training session. On June 28th, Fox, his girlfriend, Garbin, his Fox, his girlfriend, Garbin, Franks, Caserta, and the FBI informant attended a tactical training exercise at the Munich, Michigan home of militia members, according to officials. Franks left after the training, but others, including Fox, Garbin, Caserta, and the informant stayed there and were told to leave if they weren't willing to participate in attacks against the government and kidnap politicians, FBI officials said. Fox, Garbin, Caserta, and the informant stayed for the rest of the meeting record show. July training in the meetings. Uh, over the weekend of July 10th through 12th, Fox, Croft, Garbin, Franks, Caserta, and the informant and others went to Cambria, Wisconsin to par- participate in firearms training and other combat drills, officials said. Croft, Garbin, and the member of the militia group tried to construct an improvised explosive device using black powder, balloons, a fuse, and BBs for shrapnel, according to authorities. The devices didn't work as planned, the complaint said. Franks also brought and fired a rifle with a silencer on it, FBI agents said. On July 18th, Garbin, Fox, Croft, Harris, Franks, and the informant and others met in Ohio to talk about attacking a Michigan State police facility, officials said. In a separate conversation, Garbin suggested shooting up Whitmer's vacation home in Michigan, the informant said. Garbin told the informant and others that he didn't want to go after the Capitol, but he was cool going after Whitmer's vacation home, even if it was only to destroy property, according to court documents. Plan to abduct Whitmer. During a July 27th meeting at Fox Business, Fox's business, Fox said that the best opportunity to abduct Whitmer would be when she was arriving or leaving her vacation home or the official governor's summer residence. He, he described it as a snatch and grab, man, officials said. Grab the fucking governor, he said, according to the FBI. Just grab the bitch, because at that point, we do that, dude. It's over. Fox said after kidnapping Whitmer, they would move her to a secure location in Wisconsin for trial, quote unquote, officials said. He suggested recruiting a realtor to help them find the exact location of the vacation home and collect information about the surrounding homes and structures, FBI officials said. The informant said Fox stressed the importance of mapping out the surrounding properties and recruiting plumbers and electricians to read blueprints and refine their strategy. On July 27th, Fox asked an encrypted group chat that included Garvin, Harris, Franks, and the informant, Okay, well, how's everyone feeling about kidnapping? Authorities said, uh, nobody responded, officials said. We're we, we about to be busy, ladies and gentlemen. Fox posted in a private Facebook group, according to the court records. This is where the Patriots show up. Sacrifices his time, money, blood, sweat, tears. It starts now. So get fucking prepared. Uh, more discussions targeting Whitmer. 
When Fox asked the group about kidnapping Whitmer during an August 9th tactical training session in Munich, Garbin was reluctant to talk about the plan in that setting, officials said. During a group call afterwards, Fox suggested a militia member gather information about Whitmer's home in Lansing. He also discussed destroying her boat, court records show. The FBI said after the call, Fox, Frank, Garbin, Harris, and the informant communicated in an encrypt group, encrypted group chat during which Harris said, have one person go to her house, knock on the door, and when she answers it, just cap her. At this point, fuck it. I mean, fuck. Catch her walking into the building and act like a passerby and fixing dome her than yourself. Whoever does it. In a follow-up chat about this wait, plan. Wait, can, I, can I ask a question? And sure. cap her, does that mean? Shoot her in the head. Shoot. Oh, okay. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it's slang. In a follow-up chat about the plan, uh, Franks told the informant, okay, sounds good. I'm in for anything as long as it's well-planned, according to authorities. Franks expressed interest in surveilling the vacation home, officials said. Uh, a member of the militia group named specific cities where the vacation home could be located, FBI agents said. On August 18th, that person told the informant the name of the lake in northern Michigan where the vacation home is located and said he was looking for an escape route to use uh, using a boat on the lake, court document said. Code words. FBI officials said the group used encrypted online platforms and code words uh, to avoid law enforcement detection. During a July 24th call, Fox said he had researched Whitmer's office in Lansing and believed it was only ceremonial, authorities said. When Fox wondered whether the group should party it out, make a cake and send it, the informant believed he was referencing sending a bomb to Whitmer, according to the complaint. In all honesty, right now, I just want to make the world glow, dude, Fox said another time, according to the FBI. I'm not even fucking kidding. I just want to make it all glow, dude. I don't fucking care anymore. I'm just so sick of it. That's what it's going to take for us to take it back. We're just going to have to. Everything's going to have to be annihilated, man. We're going to topple it all, dude. It's what great fucking conquerors. Uh, it's what great freaking conquerors, man. Uh, we're just going to conquer every fucking thing, man. Uh, Fox and Garvin further discussed the government needing to collapse because it's become so tyrannical, officials said. On July 26, Fox said he hadn't heard back from the bank, the baker, which meant an explosive manufacturer, according to the FBI informant. Maybe we should just make a bunch of cupcakes and send them out, Fox said, according to authorities. He was referencing a more widespread bombing campaign, the FBI alleges. Lake Orion meeting. Garbin, Harris, Franks, Caserta, and the informant and three other met met at Harris's house in Lake Orion on August 23rd, officials said. They talked about the concerns that the group had been infiltrated by authorities, so they were all required to confirm their identities, according to authorities. The informant said Caserta asked Franks, Franks, where are you at? Franks responded, same place. I'm ready to get it on. Doesn't matter. It could be because somebody looked at us wrong, officials said. The informant said Fox was all about fucking killing her. Go on, someone's property and stuff like that. I'd rather not scare them, Caserta said, according to the FBI, especially if it's a fucking political parasite. The world would be better without that person. I'll say that. Court records show that they talked about surveilling the vacation home to prepare for the attacks on Whitmer, and Franks told them that he recently spent almost $4,000 on a helmet and night vision goggles. The group agreed to move their chat to a different encrypted messaging application uh, to address concerns about being infiltrated, authorities said. Vacation home surveillance. Fox, the informant, and another person conducted surveillance of Whitmer's vacation home on August 29th, officials said. Fox tried to use his cell phone to find the residents, but they had trouble, court records show. He called a friend who had helped him in the past, and that person told him where the home was, even sending pictures from the internet, according to the FBI. When they found the home, they took pictures and slow motion videos from their vehicles as they drove past and talked about doing surveillance from the water where the criminal the criminal complaint says. The third person looked up nearby police departments and estimated how long it would take the officers to get to the vacation home, authorities said. We ain't going to let them burn our fucking state down, Fox said, according to the court records. I don't give a fuck if there's only 20 or 30 of us, dude. We'll go out there and use deadly force. On August 30th, Fox shared the photos of the vacation home with the group chat and offered to paint his personal boat black to surveil the home from the lake, officials said. During a conversation with the informant, Garbin used emojis to insinuate the nearby bridge was taken down. Police would take longer to get to the vacation home, court documents show. Fox, Croft, Garbin, Franks, Harris, Caserta, and the informant and other person went to Garbin's property in Luther, Michigan, uh, the weekend of September 12th and 13th. According to authorities, the property is about 90 minutes from the vacation home.
Croft brought what he called a chemistry set, which included materials to create an IED. According to authorities, he created an IED by removing the cap from a firework, adding additional black powder, and wrapping it in pennies and electrical tape, as shrapnel court records show. The group set the device in a clearing surrounded by human silhouette targets, and Croft det detonated it to test its effectiveness, officials said. Fox took Croft, Garvin, Franks, Caserta, and the informant and other of the side to brief them on the plan to kidnap Whitner, FBI agents said. They were told to conduct nighttime surveillance to prepare according to the complaint. Harris, Caserta, and another person stayed at the camp in Luther, but the next day, Harris learned about the surveillance and said he regretted not being part of the operation, according to authorities. On September 12th, Fox was driving from Garvin's property to Cadillac to bring others to the property, officials said. He told them the vacation home was Whitmer's actual house and said, and it's a perfect fucking setup. Out of everywhere that she uh, resides, this is the only one that's probably actually feasible with the success rate, the criminal complaint reads. Uh, nighttime surveillance. The night of September 12th and into the morning of September 13th, the group drove from Luther to the area of the vacation home in three separate vehicles, officials said. Before leaving Luther, Croft asked Fox if participants' wife were armed, uh, excuse me, if the participants were armed, authorities said. When Fox confirmed that they were, Croft suggested they take the opportunity to commit violence that night, but he was eventually dissuaded so they could wait for a better time, court records show. The first vehicle included Fox, Croft, the informant, an undercover FBI agent, and someone from Wisconsin, authorities said. Croft and Fox talked about detonating explosives to divert police from the area of the vacation home, officials said. They stopped at the M31 highway bridge on the way, and Fox and the other cover agent inspected the bottom of the bridge for place to set explosive charge court records show. Fox took a picture of the bridge, uh, the, of the bridge's support structure, before they drove to a public boat launch across the lake from the vacation home to wait for the other cars in their group, according to authorities. The second car, including Garvin, Franks, and another person from Wisconsin, officials said, a digital dash camera was mounted to record footage of the surveillance, the complaint said. Uh, when the second vehicle arrived, they contacted Fox to check if they should if they could see each other's lights across the lake. Can you see my lights? Garvin asked the first vehicle, according to the FBI. You got our guys? Croft asked the second vehicle, official said. We got you, the informant replied. Uh, two, others, uh, uh, two others and a second undercover FBI agent drove to the lake in the third vehicle. They were told by Fox to drive around and make sure nobody was following or surveilling the group record show. Uh, okay, it, this one is kind of blurred out. She FD'd, and I don't know what the D is, so I can't actually un, un edit it. Uh, loves the power she has right now, Fox said uh, during the operation, according to the FBI. She has no checks and balances at all. She has uncontrollable power right now. All good things must come to an end, Croft said, according to the court documents. I can see several states taking their fucking tyrants, Fox said, according to the complaint. Everybody takes their tyrants. The group also talked about how many people should be involved in the kidnapping op uh, operation, officials said. We're doing all the reconnaissance work, so it should go smooth, Frank said during the ride back to Garvin's property, court records say. If you're not down with the thought of kidnapping, don't sit here, someone said when they got back to Garvin's property. Oh no, we're not kidnapping, Garvin replied, according to the authorities. That's not what we're doing. His comments were followed by general laughter, FBI agents said. An audio recording revealed one voice saying, no children, and another saying, we're adult napping, FBI officials said. Kidnapping, arson, death, I don't care, Frank said, according to the criminal complaint. The group also talked about destroying the vacation home, officials say. Finalizing kidnapping plans. The morning of September 13th, the group reconvened at Garvin Luther's, uh, Garvin's Luther property, authorities said. Fox gathered Croft, Garvin, Frank, Harris, Caserta, the informant, the undercover FBI agent, and two others to confirm that would be the group kidnapping Whitmer. One of the undercover agents told Fox it would cost about $4,000 to procure the explosive they wanted to use to blow up the bridge, leading to the vacation home. The group agreed to conduct a final training exercise in late October, according to court records. Fox posted in the group chat September 14th that he didn't want the training to be the final week in October because it wouldn't leave them enough time to kidnap Whitmer before the national election November 3rd, FBI agents said. They agreed to use they agreed to use the time until the final training to raise money for explosives and other supplies court records show. On September 17th, Fox asked the group members what they thought of a militia group invitation to participate in an armed protest at the state capitol. I would highly advise minimizing any communication with him, Garvin replied, according to the officials. Also, there needs to be zero, and I mean zero, public interaction if we want to continue with our plans. When the time comes, there will need 
there, there will need to be no need to try and strike fear through presence. Cassard replied, according to the criminal complaint, the fear will be manifested through bullets. Copy that, boys, loud and clear, Fox responded, according to the authorities. Fox called the informant September 3rd to talk about buying a taser to use during the kidnapping, official said. He told the informant that Croft, Garvin, Harris, Franks, and Caserta were aware of the $4,000 cost. On October 2nd, Fox confirmed that he had purchased an 800,000-volt taser, officials said. Fox, Garvin, Harris, and Franks planned to meet with the undercover agents October 7th to pay for explosives and exchange tactical gear, court records show. Caserta said he couldn't attend because of work, authorities say. Uh, Croft had returned to Delaware and wasn't available during the exchange, the complaint said. Uh, then there's a video of, of the governor responding. A statement condemns plot. Here are the statements from the officials about the plot to kidnap Whitmer. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, uh, Republican from Clark Lake. A threat against our governor is a threat against us all. We condemn the actions of a group of individuals that plotted against Governor Whitmer and state government. These people are not patriots. There is no honor in their actions. They are criminals and traitors, and they should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Citizens who care about government show their passion by voting. Only terrorists resort to violence. We extend our gratitude to the men and women in law enforcement for their work to thwart the plans and reach a safe conclusion. The governor and her family are in our thoughts and prayers. Uh, Michigan Republican Party Chair Laura Cox. I would like to thank the hardworking men and women of the FBI and state and local law enforcement who stopped this attack before it could happen. And I am grateful that no government officials, their family or Michigan citizens were harmed. We live in a nation where we settle our political disagreements at the ballot box, not through violence. And any attempt to do otherwise is an attack on our Constitution, our values and our American way of life. Uh, NAACP National President Derek Johnson. I am deeply troubled with the disturbing news of kidnapping plot against Governor Gretchen Whitmer. These events further manifest how extreme levels of division and hatred have become across our nation, only fueled and reinforced by President Trump himself. President Trump, who claims to support law and order, has actively encouraged violence and chaos between our communities for his political gain. Today, President Trump can no longer hide in the shadows, denying the responsibility he holds in this hateful act. U.S. Attorney Matthew Schneider. All of us in Michigan can disagree about politics, but those disagreements can never, ever result in violence. And because of the hard work of the men and women in law enforcement, police officers, and federal agents, violence has been prevented today. This case is being brought in the Western District of Michigan. Some of the defendants reside in the Eastern District, where search warrants had been executed. But at the end of the day, what matters most is that the people of Michigan should be re reassured that our state and our federal government are working together to keep us all safe. I want to thank Attorney General uh, Nessel and her office for their outstanding work and her commi committed partnership. Two, I also thank Colonel Gasper, Special Agent Huxhurst, and of course, U.S. Attorney Burge. Every day, police officers and federal agents put their lives on the line for us. In this case, arrests were made swiftly and safely because those officers and agents, we are most thankful to them. Uh, end of the article. Your thoughts. My first thought on this is how stupid because there doesn't seem to be any idea of how this is going to actually improve things. It's just a rebellion against somebody they don't like, but there's no concept of what it follows. Okay, so okay, so they kidnap the governor. Do they think that that the people of the state of Michigan are with them and they're going to say, oh, yeah, okay, uh, well, then we should do things differently? No, they're going to come down with them on the, with the hardest hammer possible and and uh, and crush them. And uh, if, if anything, there's going to be a backlash against um, this kind of thing. It, it doesn't seem to make any sense at all for accomplishing an objective that, that makes any sense at all. MC? Um, I'm actually surprised that they let it go on for as long as they did. You know, they have a... Uh, somebody embedded in in their group that is finding out all this stuff and and what what typically happens in these FBI types of operations is is that person is instigating things and uh, claiming that they can provide materials you know to blow up a bridge or whatever uh, to get them to uh, come up with these plans and to. Uh, give give them more ideas so that they can make a bigger bust. So I don't know if that's what happened, but I assume it probably is because it's 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 it happens over and over every time the FBI busts somebody. 
they always end up with these uh, plans to blow stuff up with, with with explosives and 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 then they catch them right before they do it and there was right. never any explosives anyway <laughs> you know? so this article was fairly thorough right. i think yeah um but i i hear what you're saying because that was that was the initial reaction from a lot of um liberty-minded individuals initially right. was that this was another fake terror plot created by the fbi so they could bust the terror plot yeah, I'm not, and I'm not even saying that it was a fake terror plot. What, I, what I'm saying is, is that there was probably things added to it by the uh, FBI informant or the uh, person embedded in their group, and and it was totally unnecessary. I mean, the, to to make the whole thing much cheaper and make it go away, all they had to do was say, "Hey, we know who you are." We know what your plan is. It's stupid, and uh, and we're watching you. And then they would have never had attempted anything. They would have been like, "Oh yeah, uh, we can't do this because." Uh, well, but we then you don't get a conviction. Together, no, that that's true. But the, the that whole thing that whole thing was just a big waste of money, in my opinion. It's like, why why go through all this work to get a conviction when you could just end it and and uh you know <laughs> and not have all this drama and that's what they want they want drama they they want to keep their jobs and well and they want to set an example for future yeah, rebellion yeah they want to they want to do all that but it's to me it's it's not worth it it's uh it's it's a big uh it's a big show in my opinion you sure know, for, well obviously from well from both sides it's like what why are you gonna you know, kidnap the governor like to show how powerful you are. It's so, so stupid. Yeah, I mean, what do they expect would happen next? Also, they seemed by preparing these uh, uh, improvised explosives with uh, BBs and and coins and stuff in it, they were planning on a, a pretty uh, deadly slaughter um, in, in the wake of their kidnap, um, not only of the governor, but of uh, anyone in her state police force or something that was going to try and rescue her. And it was it seemed like it was pretty much down to the wire as math, uh, as was pointed out that, uh, you know, it was, uh, they're talking about pulling it off uh, in October before the election. That that's pretty close that they're letting it run to. Yeah. I guess I'm not so concerned about that because you have an informant and an FBI person embedded, um, so if, even if they went like, all right, we're doing it today, right? Yeah, the FBI makes one phone call, it would be over. So like the fact that they waited so long, um, I don't think lends, lends any credibility to the fact that, oh, it may have happened. Any, It may have happened, and they would have been slow uh, to yeah, react. Th- that's my point. They could have stopped it any time. They could have stopped it right at the beginning. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. in July, there seemed to have been plenty of, of – uh, deadly preparations and all the you know scouting out of the of the various places and all that yeah there's it seems like they would have had an abundance of information at least back in july you know sure uh but again if you, you know if, and also if, you you say they're embedded fbi informants but i mean if they are found out they could be offed or disconnected from them um very quickly if if it came to be known that they were who sure. they were and I, I i i don't know if that part was clear because of how fast i read it there was there was an informant um and i don't know if i covered it in this article or if i just read it outside of this article because i've been following this uh, for the last few days um the informant the informant was a a regular within the group um like he was a known member of the group and then was initially involved with the plot and then got cold feet. Right. And went, well, well this is, I'm a little over turned. my head. Yeah. I got turned, but right. you, you wonder how reliable then is that, there's that, that person then, you know, maybe they could, um, you know, yeah. How reliable they are they as an informant? Well, that's the thing. I don't think he got turned. I think from what I read outside of this article, he then went to the FBI, right. And said, Hey, I think, you know, I think these guys are planning something. You guys should do something. And 
then he was turned, if you want to use that terminology, right? They said, well, okay, you're going to be the informant now. Go back in there. Keep us abreast. And then at some point, I don't remember the, the dates as I was reading through it, right? An actual FBI undercover guy got involved. So there was there was the informant and an undercover I- I- agent, um, both working simultaneously uh, with the with the with the other conspirators, I guess. So even so, there was one guy whom they thought they could trust because he's he was in it from the beginning, and he was the one that turned informant. And then there was the new guy, the FBI agent, coming in later uh, undercover. So w- w- they would have to have taken out both of those guys swiftly. Otherwise, if you take out the new guy, right, the FBI informant just goes to the FBI and goes like, "Hey, they just killed your your buddy." Um, and if they take out the informant, well, they still got the undercover guy who can call in for backup and then squash it you know, get them on whatever other charges they could. So, yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not too bothered. I'm not too bothered by, um, the timing, I guess, you know, it's, it's not like the, the fuse was lit and they're like, well, just, let's just wait to see if the bomb goes off and then we'll arrest them for detonating a bomb, you know, kind of a thing. No, there, there was no danger in my opinion. And, but just, I hear what you're saying. It's the whole thing, the whole thing going on for months on end. It just, uh, it's just wasting time and, and resources and for, you know, so what, just to set an example or whatever. Just. But do you think those guys would, I mean, suppose that they were called out on it back in, in June or something and say, Hey, um, we've, we've heard that there is a, uh, uh, a plan afoot and that they were notified and warned. Uh, do you think that would have stopped them? I mean, do you think that they would have thought, oh, we got to get rid of the mole inside our group, but that doesn't change our, our – I mean, if they're willing, they're really expecting to go down. I can't think that, they, that any of them would think there would be a life for well, any of them after such an action like this. So what, what do they if, care about their life? If it, if it was done publicly, then, then yeah, I think like being outed and, make, and making, it, making it to the news that, oh, they, these guys – uh, had this, you know, they they were saying these things and they were planning these things, and then, uh, I don't know. It's like <laughs> there's one risk of that is that a whole bunch of other people uh, might agree with them and then join their cause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> or and just be extra careful about moles in their midst, you know. Which I don't think you can ever get away from, right? Like I would, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's the thing. Like once you get about six or seven people and you start talking about. Uh, um, murdering people and kidnapping people—that—that—that's uh, right. a group that's too big already. You can't—you can't trust six people to yeah. to not say anything. Three, yeah, three people just insane. Three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> so I was—I was at my my monthly uh, potluck um, for you know it, it, we call it the New Mover Potluck here in town, um, and it's because you know as part of the Free State Project, new people are moving to town all the time. Right, so we we have a, a monthly meetup group, a, a monthly potluck where we invite those people to introduce themselves to the group. Let us, you know, let us know a little bit about yourselves. And I've been going to them for just about two years now because I've been um, come. I've just passed my two year anniversary for uh, being in New Hampshire. Um, and I was, you know, I was talking to one of the guys that I had met two years ago, right? And the, the topic came up of you know always who's the Fed. Right, it's a, it's a silly game that gets played around here. You know who's the Fed? We know there one. There's one that walks amongst us, or multiple ones, because it's you know the the Free State Project group is a known entity uh, in the state of New Hampshire, um, and it has been flagged in the past. Right, so if you go to Pork Fest, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, it used to be a thing like spot the Fed, like you, the guy that looks out of place, he must be the one. Um, so I'm I'm talking to a buddy of mine, and you know there's three other people as part of the conversation and you know the the subject come up he goes like so you know who's the fed he goes i'm not ruling any of you guys out you know (laughs) like i there's something suspicious about each and every one of you in this conversation for a number of reasons you know and then the the subject came up about another uh friend who wasn't there about um how that particular individual has is the most at risk for being turned by the fed uh just because of other activities and, you know, uh, his current lot in life, I guess, you know, and I, I never got an answer to my question, but I was like, what would it take? 
like what would it take for you to to be absolved of the 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 concern that I, you know, Richie Rich and the Fed in the group? Like what what would I have to do for you to go like no, it's not him? Um uh, and I never got an answer. So I might I, yeah, I might and, have to and, ask him again. And the more you tried, the more the suspicion falls on you because oh, well, wouldn't any right. mold try to misdirect you <laughs> right exactly so he's just he's like permanently paranoid at all times uh well, for this reason i think that the um this case coming out as publicly as it did has probably caused an enormous disruption among a lot of these uh groups because now they're probably very suspicious of each other and just really cautious pulling back uh and everything they do for the time being at least Right. That's another event that happens around here, right? Like, you know, New Hampshire, the very open firearms. Um, there's there's a group of firearm enthusiasts. I'm not going to mention names at this point because I don't want it on air. And I, you know, I, I, I like to be associated with that group, even though I'm not at the moment. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, I'm really not. I haven't, I haven't been to an event. Um, but, you know, the, the advanced members of the group that have, you know, prior firearms training and are well-versed, right? they do tactical drills, right? <laughs> and, and I go like, well, why wouldn't you, right? To me, at this point, um, maybe even if it's not against the government, right, it just seems smart at this point with all the political stress, political turmoil, um, and violence existing already in the streets, uh, and the threat of further violence coming down the pike, right? you know, why wouldn't you get trained up? You know, I, I, again, I won't mention names, but I was talking to, uh, a, an ex coworker, um, today, right. He's like, you know, I went, when tax time rolls around, I'm thinking about getting more firearms because it's just getting a little ridiculous right now. And he wants to be prepared. So I know it's, I know it's a difficult thing in Hawaii. Um, but apparently he's been watching like, you know, the, the same videos, uh, that I have. Cause he was like, you know, telling me about firearms that I haven't heard of and one that I should look into. And I'm like, that's already on, you know, I've already seen that video. Like I'm, I'm well aware of that one, but cool. Like when you buy it, let me know. Cause I would like to try that thing out because it looks cool. Um, but yeah, so, and, and he's not, you know, a member of the Liberty community, right? He's not a libertarian or an anarchist by any stretch of the imagination. He's just a regular average every day. You know, I want to say middle-class, but he's probably just below that. Um, and that's not taking a shot at him. That's, you know, he's, he, 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 you know, he's got a household of like four kids, um, and a part-time and, and his, you know, girlfriend has like a part-time job. Um, and I know what he does for a living. So I can't imagine, um, him making the, you know, middle upper class income that it would take to raise a family of four or, you know, a household of six, um, off of that kind of money. So no, no offense. If you happen to be listening to this, uh, not a shot, just, you know, just my observation. Um, but yeah, so he's not, you know, he's not part of that at all. And he goes, yeah, I, he, even he can see what's going on in the world and how it might be beneficial to be able to defend yourself. Um, and I don't see, you know, I, I don't see why it would be, uh, a negative to do tactical training. Um, and it's it's going to be a weird comparison, but uh, some years ago when I was still in Hawaii, I used to have like a Sunday night dodgeball game, right? And you know it was just it was just you know dudes at the park playing dodgeball, and you know it was you know you, you pick teams, you play dodgeball, and it was chaotic to say the least, right? At some point in time, uh, a world champion dodgeball team found out about our game um, and proceeded to come on down and lay a whooping on everyone else at the park, right? <laughs> Makes sense, right? Professional dodgeball team, world champions. Um, like they, they literally are world champions. They won the world championship in Vegas at some point. Uh, they came down, put a hurting on, on the chaos of a dodgeball game that we had. Um, at some point that gets boring, right? So then they split up, right? Like half of the professional team with half of the, the, the rabble and the other half of the professional team with the other half of the rabble, um, and pretty soon, right, they go like, well, they start introducing strategy into the chaos, right? Like, no, you do not just want to run up and launch the ball. You want to, you know, time it, go on, you know, two on one with your buddy or dodge the, you know, block the ball this way so that someone else can catch it. You know, that's that sort of thing, right? And 
what that did was it elevated the game of every one of us who weren't professionals um, to the point where a handful of us, uh, me not included, um, were then invited to play on that team, uh, you know, and, and work their way into that team as, you know, a, a backup or, you know, uh, whatever, uh, uh, an alternate or whatever. Um, but the dodgeball games got way more competitive, you know, after after they had introduced those tactics. Uh, so to comp- comparing this to militia groups or firearm enthusiasts or whatever, um, if you are going to go up against any sort of physical violence, whether that is uh, the United States government, the local police, uh, or Antifa in the streets, right, uh, it would behoove you to be trained in tactics because the goal of any physical altercation like that is to win at the time, right? You must win. The, you know, lose, losing is not an option because the consequence of losing is so severe up to including death that you must win. Um, and if you play the game of, you know, win or die, uh, it would behoove you to have the tactical advantage going into it. And we, we know that you may have the tactical advantage just outright uh, if you're going up against Antifa and their sticks and bottle throwing uh, or whatever. But when you're going up against, you know, the, the national guard, the police force, or if the, you know, if the, if the federal government calls in the military, you're going up against people who that's their job. Their job is to train for violence, right? Day in and day out, they prepare for violence. That's all they do. And they get paid by your stolen tax money to do it. So they take your money to train for violence that may end up being used against you, right? And you're not going to win the tactical battle against them on the street because that's all they do. Um, so if you're doing nothing, you have no chance. Um, so, so training, you know, with, with a militia group, with your friends, uh, whatever it has to do, uh, for some sort of, you know, violent confrontation that's possible at this point down the line. Um, I don't see that. I don't, I don't see how that, you know, can be construed as uh, criminal behavior in any respect. Uh, seems like a good idea to me, right? Like if I, if I was at that skill level, I would probably take some time to train as well because it makes more sense to do so. Um, there was another article. I'm not going to, I'm not going to find the article that basically said, you know, there's, you know, the, the, both the left and the right, uh, have, have, uh, said in, in these polls, um, that violence is more acceptable to attain their political ends. Right. And it has increased over time. So I guess they, they asked these questions. Um, and if I remember the chart and it could have been a skew chart, like four times, uh, the amount of people are saying, yes, it's okay to use violence to attain your political events, uh, to, to attain your political ends than the last election cycle and the election cycle before that. So it's not even, you know, it's not even something that's theoretical at this point. What it's, do you think is the the uh, likely? Uh, what are scenarios of uh, this election? You know, if uh, yeah, I mean, what, you know, after an election, and of course, there's a lot of dispute about you know the electoral college and the voting and then this and that. And um, do you think that it's conceivable that if uh, that uh, there's just uh, if if Trump doesn't win, that uh, the the electoral college that he'll resist. Well, I don't think it's going to be Trump, but both sides have said as much, right? From from the left, from Antifa, from you know the 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 violent radical left, right? The the rhetoric coming out of that side uh, in various forms is, if Trump wins, we burn this fucker down, right? They're the ones already you know rioting and protest pro peaceful protesting uh, in the streets, right? They're the ones setting garbage uh, bins on fire and running them into gas stations, right? They're the ones uh, breaking the windows of privately owned businesses in their own neighborhoods, right? And they're, and they're saying that, you know, this is to protest uh, police violence, which by all means have at it. Um, but those are the ones saying that if Trump wins, it's going to get worse, right? Fuck that nonsense. If Trump wins, we're doing more. Right. So 
you can, if they're already admitting to it and they're already doing a little bit of it, um, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that, yes, they will follow through on their claims and the violence will get worse. Uh, on the other hand, you have, you know, the quote unquote alt-right wing uh, militia groups with their uh, with their assault rifles at the ready, intimidation tactics. Um, and, you know, like like this group was tried to be portrayed uh, as a as an alt-right militia movement. Um, but their you know, their their rhetoric is, well, we just want freedom. And if you're and if Biden wins and we get more socialism, well, then, hell, it's American Revolution too, bitches. Uh, you know, the the boogaloo being somewhere in that mix as well. Um, which I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I like the idea of the boogaloo movement. Um, but at this point, I don't think it's anything more than rhetoric, uh, because there has been plenty of opportunity, uh, including this event, um, to, you know, to, to do something about it, to set it off, uh, as it were. So you even have that, you've got, you know, the boogaloo boys waiting, waiting for something to happen to justify uh, a violent revolution, which you have to win, right? That's, I think that's the thing that stops it from happening, right? Is if it's going to be a violent confrontation, you have to win and you have to win with overwhelming violence. And there's, there's no way around that because losing is, you know, death, uh, or lifetime in prison, uh, or, or, you know, or something to that effect. Um, so if you're going to revolt, you have to win the revolution. It's win the revolution or die. Um, but I don't think you need that much support, right? I, this is the problem with history, uh, and specifically American history, is the American Revolution did not take all that much support. In fact, it was done, you know, against a lot of uh, British support. Um, and I think that lends credence uh, to, you know, patriots and revolutionaries uh, in thinking that, yeah, we can do this again. It doesn't, it won't take a lot of us, uh, but it will take enough of us. Um, again, private conversation with, with another individual, um, of, you know, maybe, maybe this is a discussion of tactics, maybe not. Um, but he, he, he echoed the sentiment of, you know, uh, whenever you're in a violent conflict, uh, it's he who has the overwhelming amount of violence and force wins. Uh, and then you can settle it out. You can, you know, do the arbitration. You can, you can negotiate after the fact, but in the middle of a gunfight, the, the objective is to win the gunfight. Uh, and the problem with, you know, people who say like, well, uh, your, your they, sound is popping in and out a bit. I don't know what the issue is. Are you experiencing that with me too, MC? Cause I'm, yeah. I didn't touch anything. Okay. I apologize. And I will try to not wiggle the wires. Um, so this private conversation with, with his individuals, you know, the, the sentiment was echoed. Um, when you're in the middle of a gunfight, the goal is to win the gunfight and you can, you can hash out, you know, the rights, the wrongs, the justifications later. Uh, and the problem with uh, these militia groups and the left versus the right wing violence uh, is the right wing has more of the guns and you're talking about rural America and a lot of deer hunters with sniper rifles, right? So in the event of, you know, the FBI or the cops or whatever uh, attempting to seize those firearms um, for whatever reason, you have some of the most well-trained, accurate shooters in the country shooting back at them. Um, and if it comes down to that, they have the advantage, right? They, they have the skill advantage. They have the tactical advantage because they're not going to fight an urban war, right? It's going to be, you know, uh, in, in the woods, you know, in the, in the, you know, in the, on the farms or whatever out in the countryside. And the, the, the stadies don't have a chance. Uh, I don't know because you know the people that that, that are going to be fighting in the farms and the woods and stuff. Well, they have houses, and the government will just go to their house and burn it down. Well, but then you're in the woods. That's what I'm saying. Right, and then and then they'll leave. They don't care. <laughs> they just burn down the neighborhood and then go back to DC. <laughs> like, you know, what are they going to do? Come after, uh, you know, storm DC? I don't know. Maybe. Well, that's the thing. They don't have to because they they can they can survive in the woods gonna, for a while. Re rebuild their houses. Or not. That's what I'm saying. It, live, at, live like the Indians? No, I don't see that happening. <laughs> again, you're talking about survival experts and, and, and you know, deer hunters with sniper rifles. Uh, I mean, a, they're, a they're comfortable them. in the woods. Well, a lot of them is what I'm saying. 
they're they're not that comfortable in the woods. Nobody okay. lives in the woods like that. <laughs> but they could, and the police cannot. Right? The the, the police with their suburban warfare have no okay. chance. Remi- reminds me of the the Rambo movie where where he was uh, fighting his local government. <laughs> that's a fine example. I mean, that's like every Rambo <laughs> yeah, movie. But, yeah. Well, I mean, the the one where he was fighting his own local government. He wasn't in. You know, yeah, the first one, a, First Blood. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very few people would would be down with that. And anyway, I don't I don't know what we're trying to accomplish at this moment. So I'm just saying you have to win the overwhelming violence. And there's yeah, one I mean, group of it, yeah, there's one group of people more skilled and more ready to accomplish that than the other. That's true. Um. And if you're going to say that that group, you know, is the police and is the federal government, right? And if the only way to defeat them is overwhelming violence, then you have to train for it, uh, which is why I'm okay with militia members and these guys, you know, doing tactical training. Because well, that's I'm, the only I'm way. O- I'm okay with anybody training. That's, that's fine. Yeah. But the, the, the article made it sound like, you know, it was a bad thing. Right, like this. This is criminal activity because they were they were training in the woods for tactics, um, and I just want to squash that. True. All right. So let's move on to this short article then, uh, because it's the same thing. Is the right to armed self defense obsolete uh, when the government refuses to stop looting and rioting? Armed self defense is the only deterrent. Uh, gun control advocates argue that to the extent the Second Amendment's right to keep and bear arms was meant to ensure people can defend themselves, that concern is uh, anachronistic in modern times when we have professional police. I couldn't help but notice that this past summer, the police, often on direct orders from mayor and public safety chiefs, often stood by while looting and rioting gripped American cities. This abdication of basic policing responsibilities rather weakens the argument that people should just rely on police as do calls to defund the police. So I decided to write an article about it, uh, which is forthcoming in the Georgetown Journal of Law and Public Policy. In the article, I described the argument that the right to arm self-defense is obsolete. Uh, go into the most go, go into the most detail of anything published thus far about this past summer's violence and the anemic law enforcement response and then provide examples of individuals and groups that countered the violence with armed self-defense. Uh, I just posted an article on SSRN Saturday night, and it has already has over 2,300 downloads, uh, already my second most downloaded article ever. I guess I should give the author's name since he keeps referring to that. David Bernstein. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of interest in the subject. One thing that struck me in researching this article is that the major national media outlets barely reported the violence and why local governments didn't stop it. The vast majority of the footnotes in the article cite to local media sources, which did a much better job. I should note that I am not conflating the violence with peaceful demonstrators. Uh, One thing I don't mention in the article, but will put in the next draft, is the increasing evidence, as reported by the New York Times, that much of the violence was planned and coordinated by organized leftists and overwhelmingly white anarchists, who used the cause of racial justice and political reform to promote their own violent agenda. Uh, End of that short article. But again, uh, the question, is the right to arm self-defense obsolete? Your thoughts? Uh, No. (laughs) That was simple. (laughs) It can be simple. Yeah. So what do you, so what do you do then? This again goes back to the training and and the, the, the tactical aspect. If you can't trust the police. I like the the notion that, that it is a right causes governments to be much more cautious. And that's what I think of in, in British history. Um, the French government never trusted their population to be armed. They always wanted to hire their own armies to do their fighting for them. But the, the British, the English being having a much smaller population, trusting mostly the, the English channel to protect them. They knew that the only way that they could, stand up to an invasion if it occurred was to have the citizens um, uh, armed. And so they actually mandated, it wasn't a right to uh, weaponry, it was mandated that every person had to go out and practice with their bows and arrows 
and uh, weapons uh, every every week. As a matter of fact, I remember reading stories about how um, the, the the common man wasn't allowed to play golf. That was a an aristocrat's uh, game because the the, the the common man was supposed to be out practicing his weapons on a regular basis. Is it and Switzerland the, the, or Sweden similar to that right now? Like firearm is mandated in the household? I forget it which is. one it is. Yeah, yeah for, for in Switzerland, yeah. There you go. And um, and the argument that I heard was that that's why the British government was more respectful of the whole notion of rights of individuals uh, because they were more fearful of their own population being armed and ready to use it. And yeah, key, so I key word was because because now they can't even uh, carry knives. Well, because they yeah, learned their lesson. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you have an armed population and you have to be afraid of them, well, in order to not be afraid of them, overthrowing your government seems like a good idea to disarm them first. Right. And the point being too that it was assumed that you were supposed to be able to trust your citizenry. Um, that's why. You you were in power in the first place because it was a, a notion of uh, that that you're ruling uh, to 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 uh, to well I mean the the old feudal concept was yes uh, uh, the serfs are are beholden to the landlords or to the lords but the lords had a, at least this notion of of um, that they had an obligation too to be protecting the people in there who they were their subjects. Do you think that in the current context of the initial article then that Governor Gretchen Whitmer believes that she has this obligation to protect her subjects and that that is what she was doing with her laws, mandates, rules, regulations, etc.? Uh, yes, I think that this thing with the coronavirus uh, is a very tricky issue. I mean, it's it's not an obvious uh taking away of liberty because there's this assumption that so many people have broadly based across the population that this is a, an alien creature, this, this disease that threatens us all. And therefore all these measures, emergency measures are uh, okay. Warranted. And they're, they're not trying to take away our liberties. They're trying to protect us. So there's this, I think there is this kind of difference in this kind of thing. It was, probably unanticipated when they drew up the constitution and, and, uh, you know, bill of rights, you're talking, thinking about a tyrant that you can very easily recognize as King George III trying to take away your, your rights versus ah, the, the, the elected person who is, um, uh, responding to this disease, which is the, the threat. Okay. Well, let me, I want, I want to correct a little bit of the language. If I may, it is, clearly an obvious taking away of liberties and rights and freedoms. Uh, the difference is in the case of the coronavirus, it seems to be justifiable uh, to those in power um, and therefore justified by the vast majority of the population cheering it on. And That's it's, right. and it's this handful of groups um, like these gentlemen in the initial article, right. Who went like, well, no, this is an absolute taking of our liberties and that it, it has come to the point where they feel so um, powerless in protecting it uh, because of the overwhelming force that the government can use to do to do the taking um, that it's a now or never, right? If 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 we don't fight back now, uh, what's what's next to lose, and at what point do we lose the ability to fight back and protect ourselves from the tyrannical government? Uh, because you can look around the world, right? Britain, uh, Australia, even a little bit in Canada now, um, where because of a, a of a more disarmed citizenry, um, the government acts more outrageously uh, with the coronavirus um, restrictions. Can I ask you um, about your knowledge of the news? I heard that there was a legal challenge in the court in Pennsylvania to the emergency measures of the governor there. Am I correct about the state? I mean, I have just vague knowledge of it, but it seems to me that, you know, the, the machinery of challenging um, emergency actions by a governor are slow. And sure. also they're inhibited by the fact that the, the courts are filled with people that were appointed by the governor. But it seems to me that uh, um, 
that that's a, a very good way to challenge us in the in the state here in Hawaii. The governor has 60 days of emergency powers, which, which is set up in, in law to be able to do this. But way he's always gotten around it is just just to keep extending the emergency powers. But the 60 days should be interpreted by the court as an absolute limit whereby he has time to go to the legislature and and justify the further ex, uh, extension of this. But, of course, he shut down all access to their decision-making process. He shut down all the normal sunshine laws and transparency. And the legislature sits back not wanting to touch this hot potato and just let him do it. So it seems to me that a, a court has plenty of grounds for uh, for dismantling these uh, emergency powers. And I thought they did so in, in Pennsylvania. I believe or not. I believe you are correct in Pennsylvania. I don't have the details, so I won't I won't speak to the details. Uh, they also did so in Michigan, uh, ironically enough, um, prior to prior to this plot. Uh, I think some of her, uh, Governor Whitmer's uh, mandates were overturned as you know unconstitutional or not allowed or whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, and the dismissive nature of the governor at that time was, well, we'll just find another way to do it, right? If you're saying that I, the governor, uh, do not have the authority to make these claims or shut down these things or impose these restrictions, I will just order the person who does have the authority to do so. And so that was her workaround, right? It was just, if, if it needs to come from this department, we'll just make that department issue the mandate instead then. So instead of coming from the, the governor's office, it comes from the Department of Health. Uh, same rules, same regulations, same restrictions, uh, different governing body, uh, and therefore skirts what the court has ruled as you know not allowed. And I'm sure that in Pennsylvania, uh, they will be doing the same thing. Uh, but again, I can't speak on it, but why wouldn't they? Right. If they say, well, you're not allowed because you have don't have the authority, well, then you just go to the person that does have the authority, throw them a political favor, and back in business you are. Right. In in Hawaii, uh, the governor has the 60 days, but he keeps he keeps uh, you know flouting that order. Um, so at what point? At what point do you ride it out? You ride out the year and a half or, or whatever he plans to implement uh, of lockdowns, and then when he allows the courts to reopen, then you challenge it. And then what? You get you you get your year and a half back. You get your six months back. What do you do? Well, it's interesting that on October the second, which is about a week ago, um, you're right. The Supreme Court of Michigan did rule that uh, Whitmer's Governor Whitmer's use of emergency powers was a violation of the Constitution, and that uh, it doesn't take effect the 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 uh, court's ruling a, a narrow one, uh, four to three ruling against her um, doesn't take effect for 21 days. So the orders are still in effect temporarily until the end, towards the end of October. But it's interesting that this, that the law itself, the constitution was starting to undo the, the powers at the same moment that this um, kidnapping was, uh, was taking place. I'm wondering if that was at all in the minds of these, of these conspirators that, Hey, wait a minute! The Supreme Court has has uh, um, ruled her actions unconstitutional, and that she's going to have to revert them. But I get the feeling that that wasn't going to be a that wasn't the real reason for doing it anyway. They wanted to take down the system. True, but she wasn't going to revert them. That's the thing. Her, her the the governor's office response was fine. Uh, we'll just find the appropriate body that has the authority to to institute the policies anyway. So everything was going the the mechanism of the state was going to move forward as usual. It just would have they found they would have to find their loophole to continue. And again, when you're talking about overthrowing the state, I can't not support those guys because the state is the most violent, tyrannical organization uh, in existence right now and should be overthrown. Somehow, right? If we can agree on that, then then after that point, right? Then you're just agreeing on tactics, and maybe their tactics um, were ineffective, obviously, because they got caught. Um, but it doesn't mean that their goals were uh, any less noble. Well, I I don't see yet how they were just going to get around it. It seemed to me that if they rule that it's an unconstitutional emergency order, that she can't just have another department 
uh, do it. It what was unconstitutional about it was that it didn't go to the um, uh, to the legislature, and um, now now she might be assuming, oh well, the legislature will just adopt it. Uh, but that's uh, um, I don't know. Actually, after this kidnapping, I think I would bet that the, the kid legislature is more inclined to back their governor, who's been threatened by kidnapping then less inclined oh and then then you blame the kidnappers for the lockdown right yeah nice, nice little well, scapegoat there well no i don't blame them for the lockdown i say that they their their own effort to diminish her powers backfires as it often yeah. does in these stupid cases sure um i don't have time to pull up the article because we're at the end of the show but i would find an article that shows the governor's response to um her activities being found unconstitutional because I don't, again, I don't remember the source, but there were sources out there that showed that she was already planning a workaround to it, to, to keep the lockdown, to keep her power in effect. Um, even if it wasn't going to come from her office directly, uh, final thoughts. Uh, no, thanks. All right. That'll do it for us. Thank you very much. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace. Aloha.